now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Swift Vieira's Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. Welcome to ABG, Asian Boss Girl, a podcast for the modern-day Asian-American woman. I'm Janet. I'm Mel. And I'm Leah. So it has been a while since we last discussed mental health on our podcast. Thankfully, since we did that episode, uh, mental health and therapy in general has become a much more normalized topic, which is amazing and we really love that. Uh, Today, we actually want to go deeper than we have before. And with us to help us do that is our guest, Leah Munkow. She's better known as Alyssa Marie Wellness on Instagram and TikTok. Um, Leah is a licensed clinical social worker with a BA in sociology and a master's in social work. Leah has been a therapist for over a decade, and she owns a group practice here in California that employs a team of licensed psychotherapists. Together, they specialize in treating depression, anxiety, trauma, and relationship concerns. As a speaker and content creator, Leah covers advice around building relationships, creating boundaries to prevent burnout, and letting go of perfectionism as well as self-care. Yeah. So how can we find inspiration after burnout? Do we need to be the best version of ourselves to date? How do we know when we're outgrown our friendship? And then we're going to explore all these questions with Leah in this episode. So with that, let's welcome Leah to the Asian Boss Girl podcast. Thank you for having me. We're so excited to have you here. We got some deep questions. I got some personal questions. I want to We're treating this as a a uh, (laughs) self-therapy session for us. (laughs) Yes. So Leah, to give our listeners some context, you know, as a Filipina therapist, looking back, what was your first introduction to the concept of mental health? And what was it something that you observed or learned from your family? So this is actually such a good question. This is the first time I'm telling this story. But I remember when I was in high school, um, I kept telling my mom, I was like, something's wrong with my heart. Mm. Something's wrong with my heart. I was like, we need to go to the doctor. I was like, I think I have like a heart attack. I don't know. I Googled Mm. it online. I was like, it's a heart attack. It's something's going on. So the doctor put like these um, things on me Mm -hmm. to monitor me. And I had to like, I couldn't shower or something and I had to wear it. And then he checked the results. And then he's just like, nothing's wrong with your heart. I think this is just anxiety. Um, And then I was just, and then I was in high school. And then, you know, my family were immigrants. You know, we came from here in the early 90s. And so once we heard that, we're like, okay, everything's fine. (laughs) We never never really addressed it after that. And then, um, you know, that was kind of my first exposure Mm -hmm. to mental health. Uh, However, with that said, my parents are so open to the topic about mental health. They're so open to the topic about talking about feelings. And so sometimes when things got rough in the household, there was always conversation about oh, that's it. That's really good. Yeah, I know. Dang. Mm-hmm. I, just, I had a similar actually, instance when I was a kid too. Like uh-huh. when you're feeling like your heart's beating really fast. Uh-huh. I think my mom or like we went to – you know when you go to uh, – the Walgreens CVS, you put your arm in the thing and they measure your heart rate. Oh my gosh, I oh, always the blood did that. Pressure. <laughs> that wrong? All right, maybe I did that and then they checked my heart and now they're like, oh, it's really fast. But that was like the end of the conversation. Yeah, it's like, okay. And That's I was normal. like, mm-hmm. and like, oh, cool. Like you didn't break a bone, you're fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. 
Oh, wow. So it started yeah. from a very early age from a personal experience. And then I remember actually being in college. It was undergrad. I Yeah. And I was going through a breakup and my mom was like, maybe you should go to therapy. And wow. I was like, so she okay. She's like, yeah. That's amazing. She was like, maybe. And that was actually my very first experience with it. Wow. You're very mm-hmm. progressive, like, or like, no, like very understanding, thoughtful parents. Yeah. yeah. And progress. I mean, I don't know if you want to call it progressive, but yeah. very like open to mm-hmm. Western ways of dealing with, Absolutely. you know, emotions and, mm-hmm. oh, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how did it go from, okay, I'm open to therapy to like, I want to be a therapist? Another good question. So I've always been into areas of social justice and activism. Mm. So I got my bachelor's in sociology. Mm. And then like most people who graduate with a bachelor's in sociology, you're just like, what do I, what can, like, there's, what do I do with <laughs> What do this? I do with this? Yeah. Yeah. Am yeah. I a sociologist? Yeah. <laughs> Am I a sociologist now? <laughs> and so uh, I, was, I was really into the concept of social work. So that's when mm. I got my master's degree at USC in social work. I don't know. I thought I was getting a formal degree in activism, if that's yeah, even a yeah. thing, and probably is not. But all of my internships, because you have to have two years of internships, were clinical oh. in the, like as a therapist. And I ended up falling in love with it. So I actually became a therapist by accident. Oh, that's so mm-hmm. fascinating. Yeah. So first through going through like as a, in social work, were like what were some of the, the type of like people or cases that you mm. saw? And when did you click? Yeah. You're like, wow, I'm actually like performing therapy. Yeah. So my first year internship was at an adoption agency called the Latino Family Institute. Mm. So it was a lot of counseling for parents who wanted to adopt. Mm. Interestingly, it's the Latino Family Institute because I also speak Spanish. So wow. that's how I got placed there. And then my second year internship was at Harbor UCLA and it was strictly more clinical. And mm. I was doing more therapy, therapy in an office. And then I was working with teens. Oh, wow. So it's like kind of like across the spectrum of like your clients. Yeah. That is so interesting. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Leah, thank you so much for sharing about your background. It's so fascinating that you went from like, you know, um, talking with like people who wanted, to, parents who want to adopt to mm-hmm. teens. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to use a segment to ask you some advice. Yes. So excited because <laughs> we may have added our own personal questions. Uh, Leah, in your work, you specialize in boundary creating, navigating relationships and trauma. So, I love how honest you guys are. Like, <laughs> this, no, is no. this is my question. This is, this is my is question. Right. I mean, other people could find it beneficial too. Yeah. But yeah, these are, these are things that we are personally kind of uh-huh. thinking through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like we've been talking about burnout for so long, the yes. last few years now. And it seems like we're also hitting another level of it, which is from my perspective, like perspective is like lack of inspiration and like apathy just for a lot of things. Mm-hmm. What are some actionable items or tips you can share with our listeners to find inspiration and take action? So I think it's so important when somebody is experiencing burnout, number one, to take a step back and to recognize, am I overcommitting myself? Because oftentimes mm. burnout does come from a pattern of overcommitting, a lack of social support, um, a work environment that's just not really healthy for you. So you want to take a step back and you want to identify first, what is contributing to my burnout? Because there are a lot of things that contribute to it. Perfectionism is one of them. Mm. And then, so you take a step back and then you really ask yourself, because nothing changes if nothing changes, what is contributing and what can I essentially do about it? Mm -hmm. And then when you're able to identify what that problem is, then you remind yourself, what is my why? Mm -hmm. What, what am I doing? You know, why am I doing this? of course it helps to like go on vacation and like yeah, things like yeah. that, but that's not a sustainable way to cope with burnout. You mm. actually have to be able to identify where am I overcommitting? Mm. 
Do you feel like burnout and inspiration is mm -hmm. the same or do you feel like burnout leads to lack of inspiration? Sorry. I think what I've seen the most mm -hmm. is that burnout leads to a lack of inspiration mm -hmm. because burnout also then can interfere, no, not interfere, but burnout can also result in anxiety, mm -hmm. depression, hopelessness, helplessness, mm -hmm. disconnect, irritability. So here's this thing that you used to love doing. Now you're burnt out and you're just like, I don't want to do this today. Mm. And you're just like, who, who is this person? I don't recognize this part of myself. Yeah. I used to love doing this. Yeah. So I actually think what I've seen the most is that burnout leads to. Got it. I think uh -huh. I love that you said that like sometimes burnout is it could be you have to like step back and identify like is it maybe you're too much of a perfectionist like it can because mm. I think mm -hmm. sometimes it's like it's not actually the job you're doing it could be just your own yes your own like tendencies yeah mm. yeah, yeah. It's, it's your relationship with the work that you're doing mm. yeah so perfectionism I think people need to discern the difference between striving for excellence mm. and perfectionism mm. Mm -hmm. because one striving for excellence influences and improves your relationship with yourself and your self-esteem, perfectionism actually damages your self-esteem. So striving for excellence is process-oriented. Like, oh, I just bought this new mic. I'm so excited to learn how it works and teach other people. Whereas perfectionism is, I bought this new mic and now everything has to sound right when we use it. So there's process and there's outcome. Oh, interesting. Perfectionism is focused on the outcome. And if the outcome isn't the way that you like it, you feel horrible. Wow. Makes I sense. really like that example as a distinction. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Because then you can see how if you're thinking in the perfectionist mindset and you're always focused on the outcome, then yeah. you will constantly feel like you're falling short and then it becomes, yeah. you get like stressed out and you get like impatient with yourself. Mm -hmm. And I can see how that leads yeah. to burnout. And you get impatient with others. That's what people don't uh. talk about with perfectionism too. Oh, There's yeah, different yeah. types. So it's like when you're mm -hmm. expecting other people to know or to do it a certain way, mm -hmm. now you're irritated with other people. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sorry. <laughs> she just, I was like, oh, she yeah. just identified yeah, There's self-prescribed yeah. perfectionism, which mm -hmm. is like, I need to be this, this, and this. And then there's other prescribed perfectionism where you have these unrealistic expectations for other people. That's true. Mm. And then there's societally prescribed yeah. perfectionism where you assume other people have these high expectations of you, and maybe they do. Mm. If you grew up in an Asian household, you know, yeah. like yeah. stereotypical yeah. stuff. Yeah. Dang. So there's actually three types. And then you, then you add in like of uh, needing control. Yeah. Of everything. Oh, wanting control. Yeah, yeah. Which is part of it. Yeah. Got yeah. mm -hmm. some answers. <laughs> this is not my therapy session. So I, <laughs> you have some follow-up. No, no. Want. I just uh – -huh. um, I I I should have to sit back and think about this. You gave a really great mm -hmm. answer for me to even reflect on myself. Because the reason why I said this is my question is because I think – I think in life in general, like I feel like I'm, I was – I'm pretty pretty much overall really content, but there are mm -hmm. moments I'm just like, I don't feel inspired. Mm -hmm. And I used to feel so like this creative energy in me mm -hmm. that I feel sometimes it's depleted or it's not as like strong as it used to be. And I don't, I think for me it's identifying why. And I don't mm -hmm. think I came up with an answer yet. Yeah. So then in order for us to come up with an answer, we have to identify what the question is, mm -hmm. right? So it's, am I overcommitting myself? Mm -hmm. Am I spreading myself too thin? Am I saying yes when I want to be saying no? Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. um, do I need to try something different? Mm -hmm. Does this even align with where I'm at currently in my life? Mm -hmm. it's, it's just like a lot of questions you can ask yourself to reflect. Yeah. Got some answers popping mm -hmm. up slowly mm -hmm. in my brain. Oh, by the way, I don't want to leave ABG. If that's yeah. <laughs> like, 
No, it's just more like I, I think I want to get to a uh-huh. place where I want to add more. Yeah. Then mm. it's like, I'm, I feel like for myself, like within like, even just like my personal life yeah. and like um, ABG, it's just like, I want to be able to add more than I did before. Not mm. not like add more work to yeah. overcommit, but like what's the ne- next sprinkle of magic I can add? I know what you mean. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just wanted oh, to clarify. But thank you so yeah. much for the for the yeah. answer. <laughs> well, my question, Leah, <laughs> is um, or it's it's a different topic. Okay. I guess I mean I guess it could be focused on the mm. self, but um, you know we share a lot about our relationships on the okay. podcast, and I personally uh, recently went through a breakup. Okay, so I'm not quite mm. back into the dating world, but my mind is focused on on that. And eventually I will get there. Um, and something that I hear often is brought up and something that I struggle with is when I'm looking for like my life partner, it can be really easy to focus on um, like searching for someone who gives me that like feeling. Like I'm looking mm. for butterflies to make sure that I'm finding the right person. If they don't give me butterflies, I don't know if that's a person, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Or on the flip side, I tend to be a very logical person. Mm-hmm. And I've been told like, well, what are you looking for? So I might write down a list of like, these are ideal, or if not written down just in my mind, I'm like, these are the characteristics I'm looking mm-hmm. for, or these are the things. And then it can become very like long very quickly. <laughs> and then um, it's very niche. <laughs> and then it's very niche, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I get these like two different like, types of ways to look for someone where you're like, go with your gut, go with how you feel. And then mm-hmm. it's like, go with your head, go with what's on the list. Mm-hmm. But it's like, what should, like being able to simplify it, like what should I actually be paying attention to when I'm trying to date and find like a good partner for me? Yes, both, right? So mm-hmm. you do want to go with your gut mm-hmm. and you want to go with what you know versus creating a list of what you want. I, not mm-hmm. versus, but in addition to that, I would create a list of non-negotiables. Mm-hmm. Like this is what I am not willing to settle on, you know, mm. and, and that really creates a guideline for what it is that you're looking for. And also, wait, sorry, can you repeat your question again? Yeah, sorry. just wondering like uh-huh. what what are the things that I should be focused on? Oh, okay, yeah, I remember now. Okay, so you were saying like, if I don't get this feeling, then mm. X, Y, and Z. But sometimes that feeling comes later when you get to know somebody. Mm-hmm. And I, the, I think the issue with like, I need this feeling is you are now going off of chemistry Mm. which isn't a long-term predictor for how the relationship is actually going to go. What you need to look for, in addition to chemistry, because chemistry is important, is compatibility. Mm. Is compatibility. Do we get along? Do I like their morals? How do they treat people? And the truth is you cannot assess compatibility right away. You can Mm. assess chemistry right away, but compatibility is something that you learn about somebody as you get to know them. Because let's Mm. be honest, when you're dating, everybody presents a different version of themselves. Mm. Right, right. You know? And the only way to really get to know what that authentic version of a person is, is to take your time in getting to know them. Mm. So I wouldn't go just off of that feeling. I think it's nice. Uh, And I would also keep in mind, do I know their morals? Do I know their character? Have I been around them when they're around their friends? How do they talk about other people? Mm. How do they treat other people? I think those are the most important. Mm. And if you don't get those butterflies right away, but but you think they're really great, I would keep going because it might come later. Mm. So I should be looking for like their morals and the yeah. way they treat people and all that and then see if it aligns with the way that I would do something yeah. or the ways that I value mm. things. Yeah, because compatibility will sustain a relationship much longer than chemistry ever will. Mm. Mm-hmm. You still want chemistry, but yeah. we, we got to put them yeah. both on the table. 
That's yeah. a really good question. That's a good, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Compatibility yeah. and values. Yeah. That's, yeah. everything. And you're non-negotiables, right? Non so it's like, I have to be attracted to you. That's mm. an appropriate non-negotiable. Okay. You know? Yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah. yeah. I, I want you to also like to travel. That's an appropriate non-negotiable. Mm -hmm. I want to get married and have children or I don't want to get mm. married ever and I don't want children. So if you, you know what I mean? So it's yeah. like, what are those hard lines that you're drawing? Is there like a, a certain number of hard lines I should have or like not too many or kind of like, uh -huh. is it like you have like, like three that you really hold on to or uh -huh. is it like, like a list of 10 or like, what uh -huh. is? You got to show me your list. And then I can be like, <laughs> oh, yeah. this is not. <laughs> should be on the list. Yeah. <laughs> but I think what you've listed so far, I think uh -huh. like wanting kids or wanting a family, mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, physical attraction or like needing some, but I feel like I've put less value on that over time, but mm -hmm. the chemistry and the physical attraction, I think. Yeah. yeah. And I actually, I feel like I don't have too many non-negotiables. I, I would actually, as or your no, friend. Yeah, yeah, actually maybe I, I do. Think sorry. <laughs> no, I can as your friend that I've witnessed your relationship, I think, I actually think you have more non-negotiables now. Oh, For okay. example, you need a, someone that can communicate with you. Like Actually, how, yeah, yeah. Oh, you non-negotiable. Yeah. 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 Communication. Yeah. That's huge. Communication yeah. styles, I think. Because like, it's so broad to say like, oh, I need a, like someone who, or like communication is very important to me, mm -hmm. but it's important to everyone, right? But I think it's like, for me, I really like conversation. Yeah. So if someone doesn't also enjoy conversation, that is, mm -hmm. I guess that, yeah, that, that is That has to be enough because then you're, because then you'll be bored yeah, and you'll feel yeah. lonely Yes, yeah, versus yeah. somebody who also is okay with not having conversation. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that is, I yeah. actually, I will add that to my non-negotiable. <laughs> or it's been there. It's been there, but I, I will like put it up your, in the house. You write your list and show Leah. She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Thank you. I love what you said about the chemistry and compatibility because mm -hmm. I will say throughout my 20s and mm -hmm. I think a lot of my girlfriends I talk to who are dating, we are chasing chemistry. Like if there's no chemistry instantly, we say no. And I think that's a lot of ways how we turn down a lot of great partners yeah, because we're like, oh, I don't feel anything mm -hmm. or I'm like, whatever. But mm -hmm. they're so perfectly nice people. But the compatibility thing is what's going to. Yeah. They could yeah. be compatible, but they're like, oh, I don't feel the butterflies. Yeah. Then, yeah. yeah. And for me too, because I think in my current relationship, I was, we had a, a discussion about like just this topic. And I was mm -hmm. like, it's my first time in a relationship where it was like a slow burn. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like instant, like, oh my God, like, but. I think the more and more I got to know him and his character, I was like, oh, this guy's like really great catch. Mm -hmm. He's so like, the, my attraction grew. But I think mm -hmm. in my early 20s or my 20s, I would just, I would not have thought this way at all because mm -hmm. I just wanted the fire. Yeah. 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 You put your type in a box. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then where has your type gotten you? No. <laughs> I love, yeah. That's so funny. That's that was like a rhetorical question. But you're like, the looks you gave. Yeah, yeah. I legit. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a good, that is a good. Where has your type gotten you? That's a good question to ask yourself. Yeah, yeah I ask myself yeah, too. I, yeah, I want to ask you that too. <laughs> I'm just curious. We'll see you for a second. Yeah. Um, so, another question, Leah, um, is again with relationships. I feel like as much as we all may want to be the best version of ourselves mm -hmm. entering, you know, uh, the dating world, like, we don't. We know that's not realistic. Mm -hmm. um, how much do you think a person needs to to have dealt with their trauma in order to be ready for or feel worthy for a relationship? Okay, so first of all, I think people are worthy of a relationship no matter what. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. at any stage, people are inherently worthy mm -hmm. of a relationship. How much does a person should a person have dealt with their trauma? I mean, the ideal answer is like. You're, you've dealt with it. Yeah, <laughs> you've dealt with it, and now you're entering the dating field, so you're not out here. Um, causing a trail of like yeah. hurt people behind you. I think more importantly, it's you're aware, mm -hmm. 
right? So it can coexist. Like I am aware and I'm dealing with it because the the reality is we actually heal in our relationships. Mm -hmm. So it's not like I'm going to heal and then I'm going to be in a relationship. You can do that, but it's I'm aware and I am going to continue my healing in the relationship. Mm -hmm. I really like that Mm -hmm. distinction because I was thinking about this, about how nowadays because of dating apps and how quickly people flip partners and how miscommunication is such a thing, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people, whether you want to call it trauma or just like they have something that's causing them to be hung up and and Mm -hmm. maybe potentially like self-sabotaging in relationships, Mm -hmm. everyone's getting, or a lot of people are now bearing Mm -hmm. these like extra things and they're thinking, oh, I shouldn't, I'm going to mess someone up if I like try to be in a relationship Mm -hmm. right now. So I shouldn't. Mm -hmm. But to your point, maybe the only way to really fix what you're working with is you need to go into a relationship to fix it, but just be aware that you have a tendency. Yeah. And you communicate it along the way. You say to your partner, if you're dating, like, you know, I'm aware that I shut down and now you're talking about it. Uh, Like this is, these are the areas that I need support. mm. We don't heal in isolation. Yeah. You don't heal in isolation. That's a good point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like for me, like when I was talking to my friends, like there was a period in my life when one of my friends, she was like, I'm hurting. And I met this guy who's also hurting. And I was like, does it make sense for you to be in a relationship with each other if you're both hurting? She's like, I think it's what we need right now. But I think as a friend, I was like, oh, I just know this isn't going to like, you're not going to be together. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to work out. And they eventually broke up. And then she said like, she's like, I think we were, we were, we were, what she said? She we were like, what each other needed. At, at the, the time. time. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you think that's like a, I guess like a, I don't think. Oh, so a, many thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> and there's so much nuance, but if, if that is what is bringing someone together, mm. I would be oh, a little bit more questionable about just like the intention yeah the intention behind it and what is driving it and it's like you don't want to go into a relationship already feeling like I don't want to throw words around but there's like this codependency like I need you and you need me and we're going to fix and we're going to help each other and we're going to be the reasons why each other gets better Uh, like that's not a really good approach to a relationship like I can save you Mm. you can save me yeah yeah. it's only self-sufficient right yeah that makes sense Dang. Would you also agree with their statement? Because like, I think we have of, I don't want to name names, but we definitely have people in our lives that like, obviously like they want marriage, they want the family, but they may be afraid of commitment. Mm. Do you think, and they they tend to maybe self-sabotage? Yeah. Are you looking at me? Hold on. (laughs) You know what question is? Do these people in your lives ever listen and be like, was that about me? Sometimes, you know, but I actually forget that our friends listen. Yeah, and yeah. so they bring it up. I was like, "Oh shit!" Oops. Yeah. Um, Sometimes when I post online, I'm like, "I wonder if this person's like, was this about me?" Yeah. yeah. I'm like, "No, it's about everyone." everyone. Yeah. So but if you again, think it's about you, yeah. maybe it's about you. Yeah. Maybe that's an anyway. issue. Right, but, right. but again, this is like a general question. Okay. I'm just using a person as an example because right, right, right. I feel like a lot of people have commitment go? issues. Like, yeah. but the thing is, like, would you say if someone is afraid of commitment? Okay. And their dating pattern is that they'll date someone, but cut it off and they find a reason to leave. Oh, find a reason. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that obviously, and they're afraid of commitment and they, they've said it to me, uh, us, mm-hmm. people. <laughs> do you, do you <laughs> think, oh, I think I hypothetically, yeah. <laughs> do, yeah. Do you think that actually by being them going, like just still dating and trying to mm-hmm. find the right person and communicating, I'm afraid of commitment is actually the proper way to, I guess, mend that trauma or they need to work, figure out on their own why they are afraid of commitment before jumping into dating. I think it can happen at the same time. I really think with the scenario that you're describing, inner work, healing work, therapy Mm -hmm. would be really helpful while they're dating. Mm -hmm. If they're just like going around this world fearful of commitment, 
And then they're in a relationship. It's getting serious. Like, oh, I'm out. And they're doing this over and over. That's not okay. Mm -hmm. The the awareness is important. And now, okay, so there's this saying, insight without action is nothing. So you have this awareness, but what are you doing with it? Mm. That's a great thing. You have this. So it's as long as they have that awareness, but they are doing something about it. They say, hey, just so you know, when I get to this stage in a relationship, this is when I tend to find things wrong. Mm. And how do we problem solve around this? Can we go to therapy together? Can you be patient with me? Mm. Can we have a code word? Yeah. You know? Mm. And then them, like them being able to go to their homegirls or homeboys and being like, I'm doing it again. Can you check me? That's true. Oh. Is this a non-negotiable? Mm. Like, or am I just tripping because I don't like the way they chew? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I like that. There's got to be. <laughs> That's a good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was like, what if they do this in the beginning stages of dating, not even in a committed relationship? Like they do it like maybe after date three. Oh. Like they're not even in a, like, they're they're just afraid to make that step to like uh-huh. be exclusive with someone. So they cut it off. Uh-huh. Yeah. So this is interesting because it's like, I mean, I'd have to really get to know more. <laughs> I'd really need okay. a little bit more information. And I'm like trying to like not say too much. Because like, yeah. there's a part of it too that's just like good for you. You're not attaching to every single person you meet because like, mm-hmm. that's an issue too. Yeah. But but it's um, you want to know the why behind it. Like, okay, well, mm-hmm. why didn't it work out? Mm-hmm. Then you, why don't you want to continue? Oh, did you notice that that was the same thing you said about the last person? Mm. Right? So it's So helping like, them find a pattern. Yeah. yeah. Or, or you know, telling them, you depending on how if close you, you are, just yeah. like, hey. Yeah. <laughs> hey. I noticed, you know, I noticed these, you're just doing this thing over and over. That's true. What is the, what is the goal? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that's the thing yeah. that they should go to therapy and be like, I do this. Can you help, help me, me understand maybe why yeah. I'm doing this? Yeah. Would that be something that would be? Yeah. So there's actually two different types. When we talk about the ego, right? Mm-hmm. There's There are people who are aware of what's happening and it doesn't bother them. So if it doesn't bother them, change is less likely to happen. Uh, right. And there are people who are aware that something's happening and it does bother them. I want to be able to attach. I want to mm-hmm. be able to see something through. I don't like that. I keep cutting it off on the third date. Those – I you you have a little bit better luck mm. telling that friend like you got to go to therapy. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. I yeah. see, I see. They have to want to. Yeah, they have to see an issue. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. They have to see, a problem and it has to it. bother them. Yeah, mm. yeah. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah totally. Would the first person be considered like a narcissist or no? No. Okay. <laughs> no, that's, <laughs> no, it's it's a just be denial. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Denial. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. Mm-hmm. But we could talk about narcissism a whole nother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that could be a whole nother thing. Oh, we actually <laughs> noted for another episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about you, but it feels like a lot of my friends are now getting on that baby train. If you have a friend who is also expecting or have little ones still in diapers, I always recommend Pampers Swathers. With Pampers Swathers, you can also rest assured that this diaper will prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blowouts. Swathers has dual leak guard barriers at the legs to help protect where leaks happen most. And they have a blowout barrier, which is an innovative back pocket built into the diaper to help prevent those messy leaks up the back. Did you know that on average, babies will use up to 8,000 plus diapers before becoming potty trained? That is a lot. 
That's why Pampers Diaper Stash is the hottest baby gift for 2024. So give a gift to a loved one that says, we see you and we've got you. Pampers Diaper Stash is an online diaper fund that all parents with little ones will love. You can organize friends and family to contribute to a group gift of an online stockpile that never has to run out. Pampers Diaper Stash is great because it takes the guesswork out of choosing what size and how many diapers to gift. It's so easy to do and it's the gift that always fits. Okay, another one that is about love or I guess like just maybe relationship dynamics. Okay. Um, specifically in the dating stage, mm -hmm. I hear a lot of people throwing around attachment styles, mm -hmm. right? And it's one way to kind of be aware of yourself. Like, what is mm -hmm. my attachment style? And I also know quite a few people who will say, oh, actually, I took the test and like I realize I'm like an avoidant mm -hmm. style or I'm an anxious mm -hmm. style. So mm -hmm. say you take a test and you're like, you realize oh, I don't have a healthy attachment yeah. style. What is the best way to address it? So I guess first for our listeners, if you could define like, what does it mean to be an avoidant? Mm -hmm. And then what does it mean to be anxious? And if you do test as those, what are ways that you can like mm. become more healthy and work on yourself so that your style becomes more healthy? Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. secure, right? Yeah, yeah. secure The goal, the goal style, is yeah. a secure attachment style. So just to give a little bit of context, you can have a different attachment style with different people in your life. So oh. in a relationship, you might be like, I'm anxious AF, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. But in your friendships, super secure, mm. oh, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. So it, it, you can have a different attachment style with different relationships. Mm. And also there is hope because your attachment style can shift, heal, whatever. Mm -hmm. So if somebody is... Um, has more characteristics of an avoiding attachment style, this is where they avoid intimacy, deep connection, will find reasons to end the relationship before it even begins, mm. you know, things like that. So it's like the communication stays pretty surface. Mm. Or if it does get deep, it's not consistent. Mm -hmm. It's just not, they just don't sustain that type of deep level of vulnerability. Mm. They just avoid it, right? Mm -hmm. And that tends to happen um, in childhood when you've had parents and this is not conscious, like you don't think it as a little kid, but you just learn over time. I can't depend on my parents to meet mm -hmm. my needs, whether they uh, were neglectful or what other reasons. You just learn you can't depend on your parents. So people who are avoidant tend to value more being independent. Mm -hmm. They don't want to depend on you and they don't want you to depend on them. Ah. So they value their independence over mm -hmm. anything. Um, and then the idea that intimacy or vulnerability or connection comes in and almost is like, this is threatening my independence. Can't do it. Because mm. I don't know if, you know, if you can be consistent. That's avoidant. Anxious is, it encompasses, there's so many ways an anxious uh, attachment style person can present, but it could be, I just dated somebody. Okay. Their phone is ringing. Who is that? And then you can't stop thinking about it. Like, who's texting them? What are they doing? Mm. Right? When they've given you no reason to think that. And it also comes from like, are they going to leave me? Do they still like me? Mm. They said hello differently this morning. Mm. Did I say something that's going to bother them? And then you're just constantly either in your head about it or you're constantly seeking reassurance. It's actually really painful. Mm. It's like really painful to go through because you never feel good mm. about it. And so with an anxious attachment style, that tends – to stem from childhood when you've had parents who were inconsistent. They're there and they're not there. They're there and they're not there. They meet your needs and then they don't meet your needs. So then you're constantly worrying that your partner, yes, they like me today, but are they going to be here tomorrow? Mm -hmm. And so one way to heal 
and each each style uh, requires something different. But ultimately, it's communication. Mm-hmm. For example, for the people who are avoidant, it's giving yourself the ability to be vulnerable in small doses. Mm, a little bit at a time. Yeah, just to kind of get used to that discomfort. And then with the anxious attachment style, it's communication. Like, hey, um, saw you put your phone on do not disturb. These are the thoughts I'm having. Can we talk about it? Mm-hmm. You know, like why did you – Because there's often this feeling of like, are you doing something behind my back or do you have thoughts mm-hmm. of leaving me without me knowing? So it's it's communication. It's learning to tolerate the distress because no. both are distressed. Yeah. yeah. I like that. So it's like learning to deal with that discomfort mm-hmm. yeah. so for the person, like put yourself in the state of being a little bit vulnerable and a yeah. little bit at a time so you can start to like be okay with that, mm-hmm. like uncomfortableness. Mm-hmm. And then for the anxious person, like talking about it so that it becomes less like stressful just inside of you, right? Yeah. A little bit. A little bit. Yeah. yeah. I like that. I mean, with both, it's learning how to trust. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Learning how to trust. <laughs> yes. I mean, hopefully, yeah, for anyone out there who's listening and sees, because I feel like this is a topic that I hear thrown around a lot mm-hmm. in the dating world. So if you feel like you are, you know, testing as one of these, or maybe you're like interested in someone who's claiming to be one of these, mm-hmm. it's, I think that's helpful knowledge yeah. to know. So I think this is like the first, I, yeah. I think I heard about attachment theory, but you did such a good job, like breaking it down oh, in bite-sized pieces. I'm like, mm-hmm. I really just- And examples. Yeah. I and I, 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 I was like, really I really understood what it meant. Also, just in general, thank you just for answering all these questions so far. I know. <laughs> like, this is like, she doesn't have to be doing this, but yeah. she is. And Lee, you're, you're doing like, I love your answers. They're so thoughtful. It actually oh, makes me like, you. afterwards, I'm probably like, write, journal about this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, to think about uh-huh. what you just said. Our next question is going to be about friendship. So okay. I feel like lately, I don't know, maybe just me, listeners, let me know if you feel the same way, but I feel like uh, friendship is a topic that it's being, being brought up mm-hmm. actually quite frequently mm-hmm. lately. And so, um, what are some signs that we might have outgrown a friendship? How do you recommend approaching the end of a friendship that's not exactly mutual, both when you're the one backing out and when you're on the receiving end? Ooh, okay. Because it's a thing, right? Friendship breakups, yeah. yeah. Outgrowing, evolving. And it's so uncomfortable because there's like this part that's like, I, they're good, a good friend, but I'm just, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's It's complicated, but signs that you might be outgrowing a friendship is maybe you're having like negative thoughts about them or they're wanting to reach out to you and you're coming up with excuses Mm. to not hang out with them or you see their name on your phone and you're just like, Mm. "Mm." (laughs) I don't want to respond or, uh, you know, and then it's, we want to normalize that. Sometimes that can come with guilt too Mm. because you Mm -hmm. know that they love you and you know that they care about you and you know that they have no clue that you're outgrowing it, Yeah. right? But it's also, you know, you're no longer interested in the conversations that you're having in this friendship. Uh, You're waiting, you're hanging out, but out of obligation, you're waiting for it to be done. Mm. And it not being a personality trait because some people are just like, (laughs) I want to be alone. But it's like, but there are other people you really enjoy. You don't feel that way with your other friends, right? So... Those are some signs. It's just the interest and the excitement and the compatibility just isn't there anymore. Mm, that is a yeah. That's a those are good identifiers actually. Yeah. Like a, when you feel like you're may have outgrown. How would you you feel stressed out when you're around them? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What would you say to someone who's like, I think I'm gonna tell this? Do you, would you suggest like how would you Ooh, like, like handle it? Yeah. Do you yeah. like is a friendship breakup? Friendship break? Like. Yeah. I mean, I've seen it 
done in different ways. I think you're, the question you want to ask yourself is like, what is my goal? Do I still want this person in my life? Mm -hmm. Or do I just like, I'm done. I don't want to be your friend anymore. And if you feel that you are done, it is good to have that conversation. So that person isn't just like reaching out to you and you're just like, oh, next week, next, you know, yeah. That, that's the kind thing to do. We always want to come from a place of kindness and compassion mm-hmm. and it's awkward and it's uncomfortable. Or if you still want them in your life, but you want to change the position that they're in, mm. you know, because there's like an inner circle, then an outer circle that like maybe you want to put them in a different circle. I was yeah. going to use the word demoted, but that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> that's not good. But maybe you want to put them in a different circle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's okay to have those conversations. Um, you know, the, sometimes people hope like, oh, maybe they'll get the hint. Mm. And if they do, then maybe you don't have to say anything. But if they don't, then it's mm. just saying you say it. And Wait, it's how it's, uncomfortable. Yeah. What's an example of a way to, because I can't even think of how yeah. you have to say so it. So it depends, that. right? It depends on Sometimes we can identify, like, I've outgrown this friendship, but it depends. You could just say something along the lines of, like, hey, girl, it's been really hard for me to watch the way you've been handling these relationships, and Mm. I'm here to support you, but I'm just going to have to support you from the sidelines for a while. Mm. Something like that, right? Because that that tends to be kind of within women friendships, right? Something I've observed is, like, what makes a person outgrow their friendships is they're seeing how somebody is, like, handling situations. Mm. And it's just like, oh, I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> I'm tired. Mm-hmm. You know? You don't make it about yourself, but you just say, mm-hmm. I've just – it's really hard for me to watch this or I just don't feel the same anymore, but I still love you. Mm-hmm. Things like that. Wow. Sorry, it's, I think mm-hmm. people are looking for an easy way to say it, but there isn't one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's also hard if you're on the receiving end, like not to take it – how do you not yeah. take it personally? They're like – this person doesn't want to be my friend anymore. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm not on the inner circle. Yeah. I'm not the top eight. I'm, I'm on the top eight on my space. space. Yeah. <laughs> Would you, cause I feel like I could, if, if I were the receiving and I could be like taking it so hard, like, oh my God, like what have I, like I'm, I'm the wrong person or like, you know, how do you not take it mm. that way? You kind of have to take it that yeah. way, I guess, right? Yeah. I think it's a conversation. Like, did I do something wrong or, mm. Or you can always ask, like, can this be rectified? Mm. But it's it's so hard because you cannot control the chemistry in a friendship. Yes. Yeah. Like, there are just some people that you feel closer to. Mm-hmm. And then there are people who feel closer to you. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, man, I don't see you the same way. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm flattered. Yeah. <laughs> but thank you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Ooh, that's true. That's true. Uh-huh. Okay, it's, it's it's yeah. it's hard and I don't think there's an easy way to go about it. Yeah. 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 I feel like we get asked some questions like that and I was mm-hmm. like, that's a perfect way to answer mm-hmm. it is just to be honest and mm-hmm. yeah. Dang. Mm-hmm. Those are hard conversations to have though. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess speaking about friendships and then also you're talking about like intimacy, mm-hmm. uh, I've shared with our listeners how I think, and this is common as an Asian American person, like Mm -hmm. I was, I grew up kind of like not really being a very emotive or emotional person. Mm -hmm. And as like a result of that, a lot of my friendships, like I was used to keeping it surface, but I didn't know, like, Mm -hmm. I just thought this is the level of like closeness you have. Right. Mm -hmm. And then as I got older, like in, uh, like high school and college, I had some friendships where they really pushed me to get deeper and they would ask the hard questions and they wouldn't let me just like avoid, you Mm -hmm. know? And because of that, I learned like more emotional intimacy. Uh. Um, and so I want, you know, I would love like for our listeners, if anyone is like, str- like they want to increase the emotional intimacy they have in their friendships, what's a good way to to go about doing that? I like this. So if you just Google, and I know what you're talking about too, because yeah. you said earlier that you're more 
rational. Yes. So yeah. you're more left brain, right? So if yeah. something sad happens, it's like, okay, well, what can I do about it? Yes. You know? Yeah, yeah. definitely Next. that way. Yeah. <laughs> like very problem solving yes. and kind of factual. Um, and so I think if we want to increase that emo- emotional intimacy and that emotional intelligence, you can go online and Google a feelings wheel. And it shows you all of the different types of feelings besides happy, mad, angry, sad. And then so first it's getting to know how you feel, Mm. right, on a deeper Mm. level. And then it is being able to first discern like which friends do I feel safe having these conversations Mm. with. Um, And then – it's it's really being able to communicate with your friends. This is like really hard for me to communicate. Like, can you ask me questions? Mm, yeah. I do. Can do you that, ask me questions? Ask me yeah. the questions. Yeah. I'm happy to yeah. share. I want to be an open book, yeah. but I don't. But know I don't what know what to share. Yeah. yeah, and I don't know where to begin. Mm-hmm. So, can you ask me questions? Mm. And then just go from there. Yeah, I like the emotional wheel thing. I I have had like a therapist bring that up where it was like a lot of people maybe are not aware that there is a plethora of emotions and a so lot many. of nuances. And the more that you can um, increase not only your knowledge of all the different emotions, but be able to identify when you're feeling yeah. something. Yeah. It's like, I'm not quite angry, not quite sad, but I'm like something in between like, yeah. and I'm needing to know what word that is. Mm. Like, yeah. yeah. There's so many words, right? So it's like, are you angry or are you feeling misjudged, abandoned, rejected. Mm. Like there's so many, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's so many that go deeper into the feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Dang, such a good therapist. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes. Wow. This is, sorry, this is so good. <laughs> Anyways, well, I'm really enjoying this episode. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I want to talk to you about and ask you questions about self-love. Okay. Mm. I feel that's something a lot of people are trying to achieve mm. and I, I like to Google too. Mm-hmm. I feel like when I Google or when I look at advice, columns or whatever it's kind of like I get I get fed the same thing Mm. like whether it's like one pausing pausing for breath take a breath Mm. or two you know take a walk which these are great advice but what are some self-love habits we can incorporate into our daily routines that we may not have heard of ah okay that's a good one so you probably all have heard of all of them (laughs) at this point yeah right but I think when it comes to self-love the most healing thing that we can do for ourselves is to recognize the way in which we talk to ourselves. Mm. Right? So it's like, what's your dialogue with yourself when you mess up, when you make a mistake, when you go through a breakup, when you go through hard transitions? How are you treating yourself? And to me, when you can delve into that dialogue, that is the ultimate act of self-love, when you can show yourself kindness and compassion no matter what you're going through. Mm. I've definitely tried becoming like through journaling and yeah. stuff like, oh, what are, what is the natural way that I'm reacting? Mm-hmm. But I find that even though like 80% of the time it's positive, sometimes there's still, I'm still being negative. And yeah. so it's like being aware that, that, that doing it consistently is actually the hard thing, you know, mm-hmm. like, like in the, when I have like a really hard experience, mm-hmm. um, being kind to myself in that experience, even though it's like only 10% of the week or like it happens mm-hmm. once a month, but that is the moment where if I can learn to be kind to myself, then it's more yeah. important than like the other times almost. Yeah. yeah. How are you talking to yourself? Are you comparing yourself to other yeah, people? Yeah. Are mm-hmm. you judging yourself? Are you mad at yourself all the time or mm-hmm. a lot of the time? That's true. Mm-hmm. It is interesting with self-talk though. I actually recognize that and paper or journaling format, I'm actually mm-hmm. really kind to myself. But you take me out with without a pen or paper, or whatever. Yeah. I'm actually the, then I'm then I'm really messed up to myself. Mm-hmm. But just I don't know why there's this distinction of like how mm-hmm. when I'm talking or how yeah. I'm, yeah. I don't know why. Yeah, is it because okay. I'm more mindful when there's a journal in front of me? It, that could be it. Yeah, and maybe 
it's easier for you to be kinder to yourself when you're writing. Mm-hmm. What would be the other format? So one is writing and you're nicer to yourself. And then when are you mean to yourself? What's when that I'm format? Just, when I'm just thinking. When you're just thinking. Like on the day. Like just like your, uh-huh. your, like your, your thoughts just pop up. Uh-huh. That's when I'm just like, oh, oh my gosh. I look like, oh, just like that's when like the negatives yeah. sometimes or the doubt would come in. Yeah. So that's faster, right? When yeah. you're just thinking it just pops up versus with journaling. Mm-hmm. There's more intention behind it because it's taking time from the thoughts to go onto paper. So there's actually more of a break there for you to be able to practice that kindness. Mm. So it's okay if you're not good to yourself when those thoughts pop up, but you want to be aware of it. And it's like, let's say you're just like watching the traffic on the road and you're on the side. Just notice every thought that you're having as one of the cars Mm. and you're just watching it. Mm. You're not believing it or chasing it or you're just watching it. it. Like, oh, that's a thought. It's just Mm. a thought. It's true. Mm-hmm. I'm always trying to like get in the car. Mm-hmm. Get in the car. <laughs> like, oh, let me get in this car. car. Yeah. <laughs> I like, oh, wait. Like, uh-huh. uh, like, I, I but yeah, just – yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. That's true. Yeah. I guess, yeah, when you realize, oh, I just said that. Instead of being like, oh, Mel, you're thinking but negatively. Yeah. Just be like, okay, I had an idea thought. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a judgment thought. That's yeah. a comparison thought. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like see if you can label it. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. Another one. All these tools mm-hmm. that she's – I love this. Thank you for the answer. Self-love is daily acts though. So it's mm. like, what are you doing intentionally to show yourself that you matter mm-hmm. and that you appreciate you? Mm. Yeah. Obviously, I think Leah, you're so experienced and you've been doing this for so many years. And I feel like, again, with mental health being such a more like um, normalized topic, um, as a licensed therapist who helps your patients with a variety of challenges, how do you evolve your knowledge? Like stay updated on trends and grow with the times to know how to best serve your patients. This is such a good question. I feel like I'm in school. When you <laughs> ask that, I'm like, oh, okay. So... Um, you Okay, so the boring academic answer is you are actually supposed to have a certain number of educational classes that you're supposed to take every year. Okay. And then you have to – and then you get audited by the board. Mm -hmm. So be like, these are the classes I took. So you're actually supposed to Mm – Stay up to date with your license by taking Mm. these classes. They're called CEUs, Continuing Education Units. Aside from CEUs, um, a little bit of disclosure, I'm in my own therapy. Mm. And I really trust my therapist. We've been together for a long time. And I also use that as a tool for consultation to making Mm. sure that I'm providing the best care Mm. for my clients. And I am not allowing my own experiences or whatever to enter that room and contaminate Mm. it. So that's part. That's actually one way that I learn mm-hmm. on top of the continuing education. And there's reading books, watching YouTube videos, yeah, um, taking like classes that don't go towards CEUs, and then consulting with other therapists, being in consultation mm. groups. That's great. I think yeah. the reason why I ask this question is I feel like obviously social media has been such a huge benefit, mm-hmm. but there's also a downside to it. But mm-hmm. you know, I'm getting fed a bunch of just like people telling me this is how you do stuff. This is how, how you deal with your trauma or whatever. But sometimes I'm like, I don't know if you're like, you're, are you licensed? Are you like, it's, I don't know if from your end as like, as a licensed therapist, you're probably uh-huh. seeing a lot more content mm-hmm. that revolves around like people giving advice, which is great. But you're yeah. like, ever question like the, the, val- the, the validity of it and like mm-hmm. how, how, I guess, yeah, the validity of it. 
Yeah. So, you know, there are so many people in the wellness space that aren't licensed, right? Yeah. And and I think that's okay because everyone's got different experiences. Um, it's just so hard to capture the nuances of mental health relationships and attachment in a post. Mm. So if you see something and it resonates with you, great, bring it to therapy and talk about it. If you see mm. something and it doesn't resonate with you, that's okay too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there is a lot of content out there. Um, one thing I do appreciate about it is it's destigmatizing mm-hmm. conversations mm-hmm. about mental sense. health, which yeah. is like what we need. Yeah. Well, thanks for the answer. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. Well, I mean, speaking of if um, our listeners have not visited your uh, Instagram or TikTok, what was your handle again? Alyssa Marie Wellness. And um, Alyssa Marie Wellness, or Leah, yes. creates an uh, amazing content on TikTok and mm-hmm. Instagram. And she shares a lot of very tactical advice, which is what we love about your content. Mm-hmm. And specifically around like relationships, um, navigating conversations. So you're not just, it's it's not just like a, oh, this is a, a yeah. how, you know, focus on the positive, but it's like a real chunk of like, how would you navigate this specific situation? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so we've asked you already some kind of like questions around like dating and relationships, mm-hmm. uh, friendships and stuff for ourselves individually. Mm-hmm. But I have a couple of more just like broad questions okay. for dating. Mm-hmm. Um, one is, what are some green flags that you think are underrated? Mm. Oh, green flags that are underrated. Okay. Um, the way that they talk about their exes. Ooh, yeah. How do they talk about one. them? Um, consistency. Mm. Right? Consistency. Because yeah. mm-hmm. whatever people are showing you in the beginning, can they sustain it? Mm. Right? And then um, effort. Mm-hmm. What about um, red flags that you think are misunderstood? Ooh, red flags that are misunderstood. Like red flags that are perceived as green flags? Or like the – or people will say things and it's like, oh, that's such a red flag. But you're like, actually, that's not necessarily a red mm. flag. Like, so mm. things that, yeah, people think are red flags, but maybe you're like, maybe it's not a red flag. Okay, let me see. That's a kind of a hard one, actually. Mm. That's – I mean, that's, that's telling them. If there's yeah. a red flag, maybe it's Yeah, maybe it's a red like flag. a red flag. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to um, minimize mm-hmm. or what's the word? Um Make excuses. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. For it, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I I can't think of one right now where it's like, mm, that's not a red flag. Um, you know what? A common thing that I hear actually is like, they're not making any effort. If they wanted to, they would. Mm-hmm. Right? That could be a red flag. Or it could be somebody with anxiety. Or uh, it could be somebody that can't read you, so they're not going to put in much effort. Mm-hmm. So that could be an orange flag, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like if you see somebody's not putting effort – before it becomes a red flag, before you deem it as a red flag, have a conversation about what your perception is. Uh, mm. I like that. Mm-hmm. That's a good way to like, don't dismiss it. If you're uncomfortable with it, yeah. it's definitely a yeah. flag, but maybe yeah. it's an orange flag yeah. and it's not quite ready right. for it to be a red, like yeah. just cancel them mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. Or, Clock it and then talk mm, about it. Yeah. Love that. Mm-hmm. Okay. The last question about dating that we have, what does it mean to date with discernment? Mm, so dating with discernment, ultimately means taking your time in getting to know somebody versus he likes me or she likes me and and we we like each other and oh my gosh and then now you're creating all these stories based on what little you know about them Mm -hmm. like their birthday is in September my mom's birthday is in September like you know what I mean? Yeah. You're like, You're like you grasping guys, for connections. You, yeah, 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 yeah. I know. Have you, have you heard? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh my god. Yeah. 
yeah, their cat's name is this. That's my dad's name. Like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, I hear it a lot. Yeah, 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 I hear it a lot. And um, anyway, and so dating with discernment is taking your time and getting to know them, Mm. seeing if you really like them as a person. You're clocking the way they make you feel, but you're also clocking the way they treat you and other people. Mm. And the only way to really discern is time. Mm, Okay. I like that yeah. time. So because really, yeah. Because yeah. if you're attaching so quickly, right? That's not discernment. Mm-hmm. If you're attaching so quickly, and now they're they're doing some mm-hmm. some stuff that's like red flag. Yeah, it's like well, you now you're already attached, and now you're going to justify uh, it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, and give yeah. them those chances because now you're because you attach too soon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good advice. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Just be discerning. Mm-hmm. Give it time. Don't kind of come to a conclusion so quickly. Yeah. So many gems in today's I know, episode. Right? Really, I kind of wish I had this episode uh-huh. like two years ago. Yeah. This is an episode I'm gonna have on repeat for sure. Yeah. It's an uh, episode they need to teach in high schools. That's yes. true. That actually is, yeah. Pasadena Unified School District hit me up. Yeah, I'm just kidding. Seriously, <laughs> though, literally, I think it, yeah, these are really valuable life yeah. skills. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. What is communicating along the way, and how can it help deepen a bond? Ah, uh, yes. Okay, I like this and. When I post about communication along the way, it gets like like anything on the internet, right? There's yeah. like people that are upset. Mm. Um, but communicating along the way really just means letting somebody know where you're at or what you're up mm. to, but not in a way that's controlling, mm. right? So it's like if you know the person you like appreciates communication, it's being able to say, hey, I'm stepping into work, putting my phone on do not disturb. Mm-hmm. I will call you when I get off at six. Mm. Perfect. Because the truth is everybody is on their phone. Yeah. And if you're on your phone and you're in a relationship, you're dating someone and you see their message and you're dismissing it, that's not nice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like we want to practice niceness and kindness and treating people the way we want to be treated. So communicating along the way is just being able to put in that little bit of effort and saying, hey, this is what's going on. I'll talk to you after. That's it. And it's not controlling. You're not – because sometimes people are like, isn't that controlling? Isn't that codependency? Mm. And no, it's not. It's kindness. Mm. It's controlling if you're demanding it. I need to know where you're at at all times. Mm -hmm. Right? That's controlling. Um, Codependency is when you need to know everything about that person Mm. in order to feel better. But no, this is just being kind. It's, you know, me being able to say, hey, I'm going to be – filming a podcast. I have to put my phone on do not disturb. I should be done around this time. Mm -hmm. But if you don't hear from me, it's probably because I went straight to work right after. Mm. That's it. It's courtesy. Mm -hmm. And I think we owe people that courtesy. Yeah. That's great. That's a great way to communicate. Wow. Mm -hmm. What is communicating with curiosity and how can it help the person we're communicating with feel more comfortable with opening up? Okay. Communicating with curiosity is such a skill and a tool that I think we all need to develop because oftentimes when whether it's a friend, whether it's a romantic partner, they do something and it bothers us, right? We've already created a story. Mm. They don't respect me. (laughs) Uh. Um, They hate me or they think I'm just going to be here, whatever, right? But communicating with curiosity starts with asking questions, right? Like, you know, can you help me understand what you meant by that? Mm. Or just be really curious. Take out the assumption you already have. Mm. Because when we come up with assumptions, we're going to be approaching a situation a little bit more aggressively or hostile. Right, right, right. Like, I'm here to problem solve. We're on the same team. Can we co-collaborate? Can we co-create a solution? Like this, Or you could even just say, like, these are the thoughts I'm having about it. But can you help me understand if, like, I'm accurate or I'm not mm. accurate? Maybe I'm missing something. Mm. 
So it's just remaining curious. Mm. Yeah, I like that. I think mm-hmm. I'm realizing now as you talk about this, I'm like, I don't, I don't think that I'm judgmental, but maybe there's a part of me that always felt like I needed to be prepared. And in my mind, I'm like, oh, it must be this and this. And I'm assuming mm-hmm. that because I'm like, I want to be prepared assuming for the assuming it, yeah. Yeah, versus just coming in and being like, it could be anything. So mm-hmm. go in with that versus yeah. like, yeah. Yeah. Like let's say you're in a relationship and they didn't plan anything spectacular for your birthday, but they planned something, right? And you're just like, do you not care about me? Mm-hmm. Do you, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. you already coming in with that versus yeah. like, hey, these are the thoughts I'm having. And can you help me understand why right. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. you plan this versus this? You know, yeah, whatever. Yeah. But it's like you want to come come with it with more curiosity because the truth is you don't know the truth. Yeah. 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 I'm like, so many nuggets. I'm replaying certain <laughs> conversations oh, and I'm just and like, thinking. And I'm like, because I think sometimes maybe in my mind, I'm thinking I'm communicating with curiosity. But then in reality, I'm, I, but my actions following don't align. Mm. Kind of. Mm-hmm. We're like, I don't, I don't put my own, my own conversations on blast, yeah. but I think I had a conversation once with my boyfriend. I was like, mm-hmm. can you, can I'm just, I, I think I was explaining to him like, oh, this is where I'm coming from. He's like, I understand that Mel, but you're still seeing it from your perspective. You're not seeing it from mm-hmm. mine. And I was like, well, but I'm trying to understand you. I'm asking the right question. Mm-hmm. Like, why do you think this way? This here's, this mm-hmm. is why I'm thinking this way. Like, I always think I've, I've, I'm sharing like the context, but sometimes maybe mm-hmm. even through my actions, it's actually not like. Mm. communicating with curiosity the right way. Mm-hmm. Are you being even the wrong example? And your tone matters too. That's true. Uh, yeah. Like, can you help me understand why you're being such a jerk this morning? Like, mm, you know, yeah, like yeah. tone, words, yeah, yeah, like yeah. all of it matters. Yeah. You that's know? already, because so that's tone assuming matters. that they were. Yeah. yeah. That they were and then you're the way you're saying it too. That's mm. true. But yeah, lots of, lots tone of. matters. Mm-hmm. It's practice. Yeah. A lot of these are skills. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And with any skill, you do it over and over and over again and you can learn. Yeah. And then over time, you won't jump to conclusions. You'll just be like, hey, this happened. Mm-hmm. Like, what's going on? That's true. It's not going to change true. overnight. Mm-mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, my last question for communication is, tips on how to verbalize when you reach capacity and your boundary and you can't engage. Ooh, I think a lot of people… <sighs> I relate to this question. And you can't I mean, I'm so lucky. I'm just gonna sound, but like I have friends who already give me that out. Mm. Like a friend texted me last night and she was like, Can I call you? And I was like, Yeah. And she's like, wait, but do you have the space? And I was like, I do uh, now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's I did have the space. And so, but you know, and I, I want to put the onus too on people to be able to ask first mm. so that you're not put in this position to yeah, have yeah. to, you know, be like, what? before yeah. you start. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but you can always just say along the lines of like I really want to hear you. Right now is not a good time for me and I want to give you my best self. Mm. I want to give you my best self. I want to give you my most listening self and right now I'm I'm not in a good space or I'm in a really stressed out space so can we talk about this tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Or can I send you some times that I'm free to talk about it? Mm. Because if you're not in a good space and somebody's telling you something, that's not fair to them that they're not getting the best you either. Yeah. You know, you would want that from somebody when you're venting about something and they're only half listening or something, you know? So it's just being able to say, I'm not in a good space right now or I'm really stressed out. I want to listen and I want to give you all of me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So can we talk about another – can we talk about this another time? And then offer the other time. Mm. Mm. This is great advice. I know. (laughs) I've even had a friend say to me, I am so sorry. I I just can't right now. 
Is there anybody else you can talk to? Mm. And it's just so important that if you're on the other end, you don't take it personal. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Because mm-hmm. both ends, we are yeah. not entitled. Yeah, we're we're not entitled to people's emotional energy, no matter how close we are to them. Yeah, that's true. We're just not. Dang. We think yeah. we are, you know, but we're not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love these perspectives mm-hmm. that you're offering, Leah. Mm-hmm. Thank Aww. you. So, yeah, I mean, this has been an amazing conversation. Um, yeah. If you could have one last piece of advice that you would leave our listeners, what would that be? It would be as you go through each day, I just really want you to take stock of your emotional landscape. Like, how am I feeling today? And what do I need today to make sure that I am showing myself? that I am taking care of my inner little child. Mm. Like what am I doing to show that younger version of me that, hey, you matter. I hear you. I see you. I love you. And this is what I'm going to do for us today. Oh, I love yeah. that. I know. It's so sweet. <laughs> and once again, if you are looking for some amazing um, advice or just mm-hmm. like content about how to manage relationships, about how to self-care, um, all different types of topics around relationships, please uh, give Leah a follow. And Where can they find you again? Alyssa Marie Wellness. Alyssa Marie yes. Wellness. Thank you so much for being with us again, yeah, Leah. Thank you so much. Thank yeah. you. This was incredible. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Definitely going to have this episode on repeat. And with that, we'll catch you all in the next episode. Bye. Bye.